Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about religious freedom lawsuits. Kevin Sorbo, actor, director, producer, author, Hercules star, joins me. And CNN, Matt Gates, COVID and more lies. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. There was a famous saying, I think it originally came from Breitbart, about the idea that politics is downstream from culture. And my husband often adds, and culture is downstream from religion. And I wanted to spend the first five today talking about uh, how our cultural shift and how we view religion, the importance of religion, actually impacts lawmaking and impacts courts. You may have heard last Friday the United States Supreme Court rendered a decision. This is not a final written decision. It actually was a ruling related to a request for a preliminary injunction. But the case was called Tandon versus Newsom, coming out of California. The gist of the case is this. There were two people in California who host in their homes Bible studies and prayer meetings. And this is not a formal church. It's just people meeting in their homes, inviting friends for Bible study and prayer meetings. During COVID and the regulations that flowed from COVID, Governor Newsom put in place a tiering system like T-I-E-R, tiers, creating essentially how, you know, how uh, tiers for how much freedom is allowed in particular jurisdictions, which was tied to the outbreak of COVID cases. In some jurisdictions, there was no gathering in private homes permitted at all. I mean, obviously outside your own household. But other jurisdictions, other tier two, three, and four had all sorts of limitations, uh, changing standards relating to indoor gatherings and what was allowed and what was not allowed. The uh, regulation underneath this divided activities, inside activities, into social situations versus commercial activities. So. Social situations were viewed to be as more voluntary. You don't really have to have your neighborhood bridge club over. You don't really have to have your you know, mom's meeting. You don't have to have these social gatherings. So social gatherings were lumped in one category more closely regulated than were commercial activities. Commercial activities could include things like you know, tattoo parlors, uh, movie theaters, all sorts of businesses. And the gist of this case was these two people who host Bible study and prayer meetings in their homes were saying they were more restricted in the number of people they could have attend these indoor gatherings in their homes than were tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, movie theaters, other institutions, other organizations that were defined under the commercial activities uh, label in this set of regulations. It's astonishing, actually, that this had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to get some court to listen and say, as a matter of fact, this is crazy. If COVID is so dangerous that you must shut down prayer groups or limit the size and in some of the areas of the tier, tier system they have, it was two household, a total of two household people allowed at one time, sometimes three household people. 
Well, obviously, people gathering for prayer meetings or Bible studies aren't necessarily related. They're going to each other. They're going because they want for the activity. And so these two plaintiffs brought their case in, in federal court in California, and naturally the trial court, the district court, uh, ruled against them. In fact, what they were talking about, uh, what this district court uh, judge did, um, who was a judge appointed, I'm pretty sure it was by, yeah, by Barack Obama, Judge Lucy Coe, K-O-H, um, who was very bothered, and she'd been appointed by Obama in federal court. She's very bothered. She did not get elevated to the Ninth Circuit under Trump, which she had really wanted. She denied these plaintiffs both a preliminary injunction and an injunction pending appeal. Basically, these are just short-term rulings saying, until we resolve the legality of the issue right here, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll stop its enforcement. We'll allow you to keep having these meetings in, in your home. She just out of hand dismissed both, um, both requests. So then the case goes to the Ninth Circuit, which is the federal appellate court. Ninth Circuit decided, and they had a three-judge panel, and by the way, Ninth Circuit, they had a Bush-appointed judge, um, which was, uh, you would think, might be in the ballpark of conservative. By Bush, I mean W. Um, and then you had a Donald Trump appointee. Both of those alleged conservative judges also turned down these two people, saying, you know, we're not even going to go forward, letting you temporarily meet while we're resolving this issue. One dissenting judge, uh, who was also a Trump appointee, Judge Patrick Joseph uh, Bumate, issued a dissent and basically said, are you kidding me? You can have tattoo parlor crowds, but not crowds in people's homes, not people having prayer group or Bible studies in their homes. And the distinction, of course, that the state was arguing, well, that's just social. And these other things are commercial, far more important. And that's really the gist of what I want to say in today's first five. The diminishing of the value of the place of religious freedom in this country the place of religion in our country, the, the, you know, the very first amendment to the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights, first Bill of Rights, is first uh, right in the Bill of Rights, essentially saying you have freedom of religion. You actually have freedom of religion. And the signal to that, even back at the time it was put in the Constitution and up until today is supposed to be, is to be contemplated as an elevated right, a, a recognized, articulated, elevated right set forth in the Bill of Rights. But because culturally in our country, we have allowed the diminishing of the place of religion, you had, just think about the host of people who had to be involved in categorizing prayer groups and Bible studies as social activity, diminishing it, you know, same as like, you know, having a birthday party for a five-year-old. You had people in the Governor Newsom uh, administration in California, you had regulators, you had people at the county level enforcing these things, you had a slew of elected and appointed officials in California right on board with the idea that it's perfectly okay to tell leaders of prayer groups, private prayer groups in their homes, private Bible study people uh, going to Bible study, that they are very closely limited. They are regulated and limited as the number of people they can have inside their home while the same limitation not apply to, and I always love to go to the tattoo parlor. I mean, seriously, the tattoo parlor had more right to gather than these people. So at the Supreme Court, the good news was there was a 5-4 majority. You finally had, kind of astonishingly, some of the new justices appointed by President Trump who've been kind of questionable in some decisions, but you actually have Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh, who have been, who are Trump appointees and have been 
causing concern among conservatives if they really uh, were on board with the notion of defending the Constitution. But they, the three of them, along with Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas, reliable conservatives, said, sided with the dissenting judge at Ninth Circuit, basically said, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Of course, you're going to grant an injunction and let these people pursue their Bible study and prayer group. But I want to contrast that and wrapping up this first five with this. And I actually had not really I'd heard about this. I just read about this morning. And this has to do with culture and how in culture we have kind of slowly allowed our culture to drift away from the concept of elevated notion of religious freedom, respect for religious freedom. This is an amazing story. So there's a, a theology professor. So this is a, it's a woman professor who teaches, uh, she's at Mercer College, I think it is, Mercer University. Her name was Shaniqua Walker Barnes. And she actually teaches, get this, at Mercer University. She's a psychologist and a professor of practical theology. And in a group of prayer, a prayer book that was recently put out, a collection of prayers, uh, someone put together, she was asked to contribute to it. The book was called A Rhythm of Prayer, A Collection of Meditations for Renewal. Her prayer, not kidding you, her prayer is called, Dear God, Please Help Me to Hate White People. She goes on to explain why she actually prays this, that she wants God to help her hate white people. And when the recipient of some un, you know, negative attention, unpopular criticism of her saying, what do you, you're, you teach theology and you're teaching to hate white people? She did not say, oh, let me, let me explain. It probably didn't come across well. I just meant, she actually just dug in with both feet. She basically said, you know, she deeply believes in critical race theory. The entire country is racist. Uh, everything about America is racist. And therefore she wanted more strength and fortitude from God to help her hate white people because they have promulgated critical, they have promulgated a racist society. They're responsible for it. And regardless of how nice they really act, they really don't mean it. They really deserve the criticism of all white people that is, that is part of critical race theory. And she's not embarrassed to say this. These people in California who passed a regulation that said you can't have a, pr a prayer group and a Bible study in your home if it exceeds a certain number, they weren't embarrassed. And this gets to me, I'll wrap up the first five by saying this. These people were not embarrassed by these things because our culture has allowed the concept to marinate, to grow, it, it, that we treat religion as just something kind of a, you know, like a window dressing thing. It's just a thing some people have, you know, like some people like cheerleading and some people like bowling and some people like faith. It has that notion of just diminishing of the value of religion to the point that this woman who is allegedly teaching students of theology, I'm, I'm sorry for them who get taught by a person like that, but she felt okay saying that. And these people in California felt okay putting a regulation out that equated the importance of Bible study in homes and prayer groups at homes with social gatherings like your three-year-old's birthday party and regulated them accordingly. We are starting to see, at least in America, a little bit of pushback, a little bit of recognition that religious freedom actually is a fundamental right in America spelled out in the First Amendment to the Constitution. And it's going to take more people, like these two people in California, who challenged the California law, 
like the people criticizing this professor, saying we actually demand that religious freedom, religious that the strength and truth of theology be spoken about in this country and respected by the courts and by the people and ultimately by our very culture and society. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I mentioned at the start of the show, I have Kevin Sorbo joining us. Everyone knows his name. So uh, even though that's true, I'm going to give you a lengthy introduction. Okay, not really lengthy. But I want to say a few things. I got to meet Kevin Sorbo recently. Uh, my husband and I were on a, at a conference in Florida. I met him, met his wife, Sam Sorbo, who is coming on the show next week. I think it is next week. Um, they're the authors of books, first of all, uh, but as you can see from our caption, he's an actor, Kevin Sorbo, actor, director, producer, author, Hercules star, um, and he's kind of like this, he's done a great deal in the world of acting, producing, and directing, also writing books, but also really digging in in American culture a little bit, doing movies and, and uh, entertainment that is fun, that, that is, you know, uh, fictional, that it, all sorts of uh, genres of fiction, but actually also getting into doing movie, movies that address more seriously, more deeply, uh, where we are in this country and the importance of theology and maybe pushing back a little bit against the Academy, the Hollywood uh, genre of movies that tends to be, uh, tends to celebrate or at least um, display violence and, and all sorts of things that don't exactly uplift our culture. So he's made a variety of films and movies and um, He's, he's just a, a great thinker also, so I'm so glad he's available to join us. Please welcome Kevin Sorbo. Hey, it's good to be here. So I, I do have, I do want to comment on that, for that first five you had going there. There's a lot of things that struck home for me as well. Um, Andrew Breitbart actually was, was a dear friend of mine, and uh, I love his, his quote with that because it's so true. Politics runs downstream of culture. Who runs the culture? Hollywood does. The mainstream media does. And you see what they've been doing over the last gosh, 20 years where they just get more and more brazen about the things they put out there and the negativity and the anger and the divisiveness. And now you see it being played out everywhere which is just unbelievable to me. And it's certainly playing out. And um, I think starting with President Obama, you know, here's a guy that was supposed to be uh, the guy to unite us all. But I think he did quite a bit to actually bring back the 1960s and make it even worse now than it was back then. It, it's crazy. And I look at America as one of the countries that's probably one of the least racist countries. But, um, you know, they drive it home every single day and everything is racist now. Uh, and the attacks on people are just getting ridiculous. And we need to do something about uh, building a bridge between uh, this huge, you know, cavern, this huge, I mean, this huge, you know, Grand Canyon that we've created between uh, th this issue. And it's just it's just sad. It's really sad to me to see what's going on out there. Could not agree more. And among the many things I focus on on my show is that one of the beautiful things allegedly about Western civilization, and in particular America, was we celebrate the idea of the robust debate of ideas. You can have a discussion about what should the border policy be? Should we be open borders? Should we be? Should we? Should we have any immigration at all? You used to have discussions in substance about you know thousands or at least hundreds of issues. But now all we seem to have are an issue arises, you have spewing a name calling in anger and the yeah. camps go off the side and, and then we don't make any progress. All we really do is hope to get the most people on your side to win an argument either in culture or in the elections. Well, we got a wall because the mainstream media is by 95% of people that want open borders. And you go, well, that's, I'm, I'm talking about the media now. I think the majority of Americans are going, what are you talking about? I ask people and they say, I, when they say we should have open borders, I go, let me ask you a question. Do you lock your home up at night? 
And that, they always do. They always say, well, of course I do. And I go, why? Do you lock your car up when you go shopping? Or, well, of course I do. Why? They're afraid of somebody breaking in. Well, come on. I'm all for people coming to this country, becoming the country the way they are, they were supposed to come into. Uh, it's, 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 it's crazy. I know plenty of people here in Florida. They're from Cuba. They're from Spain. They're from Germany that live here now that I've met. I've been out here for two and a half years, and they say the same things. They shake their heads and go, you know, Kevin, I came to this country the way you're supposed to come into the country. I didn't come here expecting handouts. I didn't expect people, the government to take care of me. But this is what the government wants to do, the left especially. They want cradle and grave responsibility for our lives. Um, you know, we're dumb. We're idiots. That's why they believe in socialism and communism. And we're, we're seeing what's happening now, especially in the under 30 group. I think there's an ignorance. I think there's an uneducated level of what's going on there. They just don't know it. They throw their, they throw, you know, your racism, your homophobia. They throw these things at you, but they have nothing to back it up. They just say the phrase, they say the, the word, and then they walk away. They have no proof. They have no evidence. They just say it. And their anger is so unbelievable. And I think a lot of these people... I hate to be a shrink about this, but I think these are people that don't like themselves. They don't like their own lives. They don't like the relationships they have. They don't like the jobs they have, if they have any. I look at the, these Antifa guys. It's all about projection. Projection. They're the actual fascists. They think that they, fascism came from, 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 from Hitler and Nazi. Nazi stands for National Socialist. So to call me a Nazi or President Trump a Nazi with no proof behind it totally cracks me up. I'm going, you guys know even what the word Nazi means? And of course they don't. It's just, it's just, it's unbelievable. These are just angry people who love to feed on their own anger and attack you and attack me. And uh, they think that's going to make them feel better about themselves when really their anger directed to me only hurts themselves. I, I really wish we could reach out to these people and have civil conversations. But, you know, we'll see what happens. This is, this is crazy what we're living in right now. It sure is. Uh, Kevin, you know what, we could, I, I have so many, uh, I actually really had a fun morning uh, listening to your interviews, reading more and more things about you. So uh, I was going to divide this up into kind of, I was going to start first with your movies, then your books, and then your uh, Twitter feed. But since we're on these uh, political subjects, <laughs> your Twitter feed is so entertaining. Uh, honest to goodness. So the Twitter handle for my happy listeners, um, it, this is the I'm speaking with Kevin Sorbo, and it's at K-S-O-R-B-S. And I actually, it's again, at K-S-O-R-B-S. And uh, it's just a great Twitter feed, a lot of one-liners. Um, and my husband will often comment <laughs> that, we'll, we'll have these discussions at home, I'll say uh, an idea in like uh, 350 words. And he says, yeah, blah, 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 in about seven words. You really do that. You get, you get the gist of idea well, about seven. <laughs> I, I decided to tone it down a little bit. I, I'm just pointing out the ridiculousness and the craziness and the and just the, the absurdity of what's happening right now. Facebook took me down. I was posting the truth. Here's what I was doing on Facebook. I was getting more detail than I do on Twitter. I was actually showing clips. I go, hey, look what these doctors have to say about mask wearing or hear what these doctors say about COVID. And gosh, you just can't do that. You can't have opposing views to the great Oz Fauci. You know, they, they pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? We have to believe everything this little troll has to say. And it drives me absolutely crazy that we can't have other doctors around the world come out and say this. We have the best governor in the country with DeSantis. He's amazing. He's got he's got a video out there where he had, I think, a Swedish doctor, a German doctor, an English doctor, American doctor, all of them telling you other facts about what's going on with COVID. 
And the, the whole fear factor of trying, you just mentioned too about what's going on. I'm from California. We left two and a half years ago before everything kind of started taking place. My pastor, Pastor Rob McCoy out in Thousand Oaks, California, gave the two weeks off that they said, let's you know, shuttle down for like for 15 days. We'll shut the country down. And then once that's happened, people came back in the church again. And then he got he got fined, but he kept doing it. And people are sending him money to pay for these stupid fines. Meanwhile, Costco stays open, Target stays open. These employees and people are around a thousand people a day. I fly a lot. I'm sitting in the economy the other day. I got a guy right here next to me. Now I counted six feet in front of me. There are two rows in front, two rows behind. There's 20, 29 people within six feet of me. But when we leave the plane, please one row at a time and stay six yeah. feet apart. <laughs> Where's yep. the bloody logic and the insanity of what we're doing right now? You know, and the flight attendants going up and down to make sure your mask is covering everything but your eyes. You know, right. reminds you of another, another, another um, sort of uh, religion, I guess. But anyway, that's a different story. It is a different story, but that rip, I could not agree with you more. Uh, on our show, I don't know, uh, you may have not realized this, but we were the ones in this show that broke that Dr. Uh, Bartlett from Midland, Texas, was the one who came on the show last July, and he was talking about the use of inhaled budesonide, which is a steroid, which actually opens up the lungs for asthma patients, and he, as an emergency room doctor, realized as COVID patients were coming in, there were no treatments available, and he said, you know, he was thinking, you know, here's training is kicking in. This might actually work. And he's now, I, I mean, it was, the, the interview went viral because he's saying, look, we don't have to cower in fear. Inhale budesonide works to help is the same issue with the lungs as asthma creates. And the people who are struggling with COVID and end up getting intubated, they don't need to do that. They just need to, so he, he's talked about that. We've had all sorts of doctors on the show just trying to talk about, this is my training, my common sense, my years of education. I, and so we've had do, well, many doctors on the show talk about these things. And I'm just, this show is all about preserving America's freedom and the bizarreness that we have rules and regulations set in place by government officials who won't listen to the actual doctors who are speaking up trying to say masks don't help we have great treatments hydroxychloroquine yeah. you, can, you can't talk about that i'm sorry go, we could talk millions in, but go ahead there's, there's too much money involved behind that you know i mean from what i understand fauci and bill gates amazing now bill gates is an expert on our health as well um they took our tax dollars to make these so-called vaccines and yet they're getting paid back for the profit of the vaccines well, I think they should pay all the Americans. We're the ones who paid into that, right? We're the ones who, that they we paid taxes. Uh, it's it's just I don't know. It's just sad out there right now, and I I don't. Let's talk about other things. Let's talk about okay. my movies and books because I do positive things instead of negative things that are going on out there. You most certainly do. I'll just tell my listeners one little example from his Twitter feed, uh, which I love. When the group that calls everyone a Nazi starts demanding you carry your papers, dot dot dot. It's perfect. It's great. Great. <laughs> A lot of good tweets. We won't go there. Okay, so on to your movies. Um, you have done so many different kinds of movies, and I want to just talk about it. just an overarching question. So you were you did Hercules, you did Andromeda, a bunch of other things, uh, and then you ended up one film that I have watched numerous times, God's Not Dead. So just overarchingly, do you, is it more fun to do these fictional things or to do these ones with more of a religious message, or, or are they all fun to you? I think, you know, I, every movie I've done, I mean, I, Andromeda was seven, a five-year run. Hercules was seven years. I got to brag a little bit. We became the most watched show in the world back in the 90s. 
Um, seven years in the beautiful country, New Zealand. It was fantastic. And uh, without that series, I wouldn't have all the other success I've had. But I've shot over 60 movies. Not every one of them are good, but most of them are. And most of them have a decent message in them. And you mentioned God's Not Dead. I think there's another movie I think is better than that I did called What If. I highly recommend What If. Same writers that did God's Not Dead. I had a movie that Sean Hannity funded called uh, Let There Be Light. That was in theaters a couple years ago. If you haven't seen it, streaming on Amazon. I've got the number one documentary now for almost, gosh, eight, nine months now on um, on uh, Amazon. It's called Before the Wrath. And it's a very educated look at the book of Revelation. It's pretty fascinating. I just narrated it. Uh, the team that put it together, Brent Miller and his guys, did an amazing job. They're fantastic. Um, I got another documentary that just came out called Against the Tide. I call it apologetics for dummies like me. I spent three weeks in Oxford, England with John Lennox, Dr. John Lennox, who's an apologist. And uh, two weeks in Israel with them. It's fantastic. So against the tide dot movie, check that one out. I have a movie that just opened on Good Friday called The Girl Who Believed in Miracles. I starred in that with Miro Sorvino and Peter Coyote. Um, it's just a, it's a wonderful little sort of uh, you know biblical reality, today's reality, I guess, in uh, the life of this little girl that's able to perform these you know little miracles. She's not walking on water, but things happen in a small town that make you kind of go, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. And uh, two other movies completely done coming out later in the year. And I got four movies lined up as well. I'll be directing the next Left Behind movie. And uh, another movie called Carpool Lane. I'm starring with Dean Kane. I'll be directing that one as well. And we've got a Western I'm coming up with Antonio Sabato called Trailblazers, which I'm looking forward to do because I've done four Westerns before and I love Westerns. How can you do more? I mean, you're doing more than one at a time. That's right, right? I mean, you must be doing them many at the same time. Well, they're, they're all lined up starting at the, actually at the end of, of next month, I'm shooting a new TV pilot with Yako Boyens, who lives right there in Dallas. He's an amazing guy. You should have him on your show if you haven't. Um, and then after that, I go to Oklahoma. I got one week left on the, on the Reagan movie. I'm playing Ronald Reagan's uh, pastor and Dennis Quaid is playing Reagan. So most of the movie is shot. I think there's maybe three weeks left of film on it. And mine, uh, mine is coming up the first week in, uh, in June, I'll be filming. Okay, so the answer really, I mean, you have a lot of ideas, I guess, going on, and then you're kind of sequencing them because I, I'll tell you the drilling way down. I cannot imagine memorizing lines for any movie. I mean, that's what you have to do. But if you're doing several at once, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even know how you can keep track of that. I mean, you must do that though. You have several movies, your parts memorized, lines memorized all at once. Is that right? Well, not, I mean, I'm, if the writing is good, I memorize pretty easy. Um, if it makes sense to my brain going through it, you know, and if I have questions, I always talk to the writers. I stood that way back in my Hercules years. So, uh, I, you know, they're, they're, they are lined up. There's not much of a break between each one of these. So I'll, I'm going to be busy, but I'm already making notes as a director on the scripts already. I know the locations already. Um, left behind, we're going to be shooting in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the same place where I shot God's Not Dead. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just blessed and lucky to stay busy. I'm talking again. I was just up in Montana. I spoke in front of 750 people. No one wore masks. And um, I, uh, the, the people told me that they had, it was the longest line they've ever seen in 20 years of people coming to speak at their, uh, at their event. It's for a Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade. And I, I was very honored by that, but the people were amazing. Uh, they were amazing and uh, they were so open and, and welcoming. And uh, it was just nice to see that opening up again, because I, I was just up in uh, Manassas as well. 
where I did a pro-life speaking event in, in, a, in a state where a governor believes that um, you can kill your baby at birth. Um, there's the yes. baby, he says. You can look at it and go, honey, what do you think? Should we kill him or should we let him live? I mean, it's weird. We are living in a very evil, evil time right now. It makes zero sense to me. And these are the people that would rather save a tree and save a sea turtle than save a real uh, actual human life. I mean, what, what what have we become? I mean, it's I don't even know how to answer the question for that governor who should be out of that state and people vote him in. I mean, what is wrong with people? Yep. Well, a lot of work to do in our culture and our society. Yeah. Um, you actually, you have so, so many things you've done. They're also very interesting. I do want to go back just to your childhood briefly. Because um, sure. someone was asking you about how you got into film. And I understand, I, I read from a, a bio somewhere that you grew up uh, at, like a good Norwegian Lutheran in Minnesota, which is like my family's background, the Norwegian Lutherans in Minnesota. Sure. But you got interested in film at a very young age at the Guthrie Theater. Can you tell about yeah. that? Well, the Guthrie Theater is a very famous theater for people that know uh, no theater, lot, no live theater. And a lot of Broadway stars, a lot of Broadway plays start there before they move out to, to New York. And uh, we went in fifth grade. It was a production of The Merchant of Venice. And uh, I was 11. I don't know what the hell they were saying because it was Shakespeare. <laughs> but I was totally mesmerized uh, by the whole thing. And I told my mom on the way home, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be an actor. And she gave me a little pat on the leg and she said, that's nice, dear. So because uh, <laughs> um, I was a jock, you know, my, my, my fellow jocks, football, basketball guys made fun of me for wanting to be, uh, you know, taking classes, drama classes and stuff. But uh, um, besides all the best looking girls were in those acting classes, I just loved I loved it. And I think a lot of it came from my mom. I mean, my mom and I would watch a lot of old movies together. Uh, Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, uh, Jimmy Stewart and all that. And I, I, I loved it. I loved all the old movies because, I, I don't know, I think the writing was amazing back then and the storylines were a lot better than most movies that are coming out now. And those are the kind of movies that I want to do that, uh, that had, you know, stories of real actors and real characters. Visual effects are fine. They're great. We had them on Hercules and Andromeda. But uh, I like doing movies that, you know, hey, that, that are real life stories and people can relate to it. And, uh uh, yeah. hopefully change people's lives. M movies that have hope, love, redemption, faith, whatever, forgiveness, things that we need now more than ever in our culture. Love that. Um, there was a, um, a movie coming up, I think, that you're going to play someone who's British. Is that right? Are you going to play a Brit? Um, we, I have. Um, I'm working on right now, uh, we have a Charles Dickens uh, book yeah. that he wrote to his kids. Uh, never wanted published, but his grandkids actually did publish it. They did a one-man play with it. Uh, they approached me with the one-man play, which I thought it's about time an American plays a Brit because all these British actors are playing Americans. And uh, so we hope we can put this together. I think it'd be a movie that would be right up there with uh, It's a Wonderful Life, um, you know, Elf, and one of these movies that people watch over and over again at Christmas time. It's very touching, very funny, very entertaining. Um, it, it was written as a one-man play, and I read the one-man play. I laughed, I cried. I was like, wow, this is awesome. I told the people, I said at the uh, at the Dickens Foundation over there in England, I said, you know what, We've, if we bring all these characters to life that he talks about, his wife, his kids, his wacky neighbors, all these people, we, he used to write a lot at the summer home outside of London that he had. And um, I said, if we bring all these characters to life, more people can see this in three-day weekend in movie theaters than me doing the play for two years six days a week you know so uh uh they they agree so we're working on a screenplay now to make it uh make it come to life i mean we, we would shoot in the same location 
that uh, Dickens would uh, be writing in the summer house there. So uh, crossing fingers. Uh, hope they make this happen. I'll tell you, the toughest thing out there for independent films is raising money. I mean, most of my movies are in a three to five million dollar range. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean and the Avengers, these are $300 million movies. $5 million is maybe catering on those yeah. movies. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's all about visual effects anyway. I mean, I can never really be Hercules in real life. You'll never be Wonder Woman. And it's fun to have those fantasies. And But when they have these big fights and you see eight buildings go down in New York City, you go, wow, two million people just died. But we're not talking <laughs> about that. You know, so... Um, I, I just, I like doing movies. I like those movies too, but those are roller coaster ride movies. I like doing movies that have a good message. I love them too. I want to turn to your books. I know we're actually, we're over our time. I committed to you. So do you still have five minutes? Sure. Great. Okay. On the subject of books, uh, you're, I mean, prolific writer. Uh, one, in fact, when my husband and I met you in Florida and, and your wife, Sam, was there, uh, you both signed this one. This is True Faith, Kevin and Sam Sorbo, the under, the, um, uh, extra tech, whatever the word is, embracing adversity to live in God's light. This is really, really moving. Uh, the sub uh, subtitles word I was looking for. So true faith, embracing adversity to live in God's light. Just, just a great book. I'm an inter so I can say that book, that book was a follow-up to my first book called uh, True Strength, my journey from Hercules to mere mortal and how nearly dying saved my life. And it's, uh, it's a look at what happened to me at the end of season five in Hercules, where I had uh, all kinds of problems going on in my body, couldn't figure what was going on, but it ended up being a, an aneurysm way up here that opened up completely and sent hundreds of clots down into my arm, but sent uh, four clots into my brain. I suffered four strokes, took me three years to fully recover. And um, so, you know, it's, it's it's been amazing. That put me on the, the speaking tour. I do book speaking tours now uh, that I never thought I'd be doing. And it's been amazing, people's responses. To have a guy like Hercules get as, as sick as I did, as healthy as I was on the outside, um, it's been an amazing book to motivate people to stop feeling sorry for themselves when we hit a roadblock in life, because we all hit a roadblock, right? Everybody's got a story. How do you react to it? You can blame God, family, friends. Reality is you gotta look in the mirror, you know? Cue Michael Jackson's song, The Man in the Mirror. Take responsibility yeah. and say, what am I gonna do to make myself better now? Because you can. That was actually the next book I was going to go to. I don't have it. I wish I had to hold up, but it is called True Strength, My Journey from Hercules to Mere Mortal and How Nearly Dying Saved My Life, October of 2011. And the reason I want to say something about it's in the it next is... room. I can run and grab it, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Matt, the wonderful, can find it. I have a great producer. He can find a picture of it. But what I want to say about this is this. You're right. A lot of people go through hard things in life and they have really unfair things happen and they've lived a good lives and it's unfair what happened to them and you make a choice how to handle it. And so people, so many people will handle things well and they'll find a solution, they'll work through it, whatever it is, whether it is health or financial or family or career, and they work through it, but they actually keep a lot of it to themselves. They think, well, God, thank goodness I finally got through that. But to, to go through what you did and then to decide to write it takes a it takes, I was trying to get the right word. It's not exactly just humility, but it's, it's like generosity or something to motivate others to feel like, yeah, I could probably get through some similar challenge myself. That's what I wanted to say about it. It's a really, really great and important thing that you did to write it. I really commend you for writing it. Well, I didn't want to write it at first. My wife kind of beat me to death with it because as a, the male ego doesn't want to show you how frail and weak we can become, especially a guy in his 30s that was as great a shape that I was in. And, uh, you know, usually strokes happen to people. Well, I had an aneurysm. That's a whole different thing. But strokes usually happen to people that are, are, are older. They are, they're obese. They have diabetes. They have had previous, you know, previous things like that. But I got a quick thrown in. I am coming to your area and I'm speaking at an event at the um, Forum Local Church. 
It's in Denton, Texas. Yep. And I'm speaking there on the, uh, it's the end of this month. What is the date on here? Show me the date for kind of, I think, what date did we talk about? Because it's 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 the 28th, I think. Well, th Thursday is the 29th. I happen to know that because I've been running through the Thursday. So the 28th is Wednesday. Then it's, th then it's Thursday the 29th. But okay. you go to the Forum, Forum Local Church, it's, uh, it's, uh, and I'll be, I'll be in Denton, Texas. So coming at the end of the month, I'm speaking there. Uh, it's about religious freedom. I'll be taking my back on about that, talking about Hollywood, and I'll certainly be talking about my book, True Strength, as well. But I'm looking forward to getting there and uh, being part of the part of their event up there. It's uh, First Refuge Ministries is organizing this event. They're sponsoring it as well. And um, I'm looking forward to getting there and having a great time. And uh, uh, it's uh, they said the audience description is the faith community, and we need more of faith as well. Amen, sir. Okay, that's great for people to know, people around here to know. So, uh, honest to goodness, this is too much fun. Oh, uh, the other thing about your wife, I'm, I'm going to interview her next week, but this is her latest Words for Warriors Fight Back Against Crazy Socialists and the Toxic Liberal Left. And I guess the other subtitle, what it means to be an American. First of all, it's really I colorful. Her right here. Oh, there you go. Okay. Okay, so he's got it too. talking about that. Yeah, trust me. She'll. She's actually in Tampa right now. She spoke at an event last night, speaking at one against, again tonight on her book, and it's doing very well on Amazon. Oh, actually, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out where that is because one of my best friends from high school who lives in Tampa was just texting me on the way here about getting together soon. Maybe she'd want to go. She, I mean, she loves you guys. I know she does. Okay, so you know what? Kevin Sorbo, this has just been too much fun for words. I thank you for all you do for your, I still like your tweets, but I also thank you for your films, your books, your energy, your passion. And as I say, the writing about your life experience, go right ahead. You want to say something? I do. I, I want people to follow me since Facebook took me down because I spoke the truth. I want people to go to um, uh, Clout Hub. Cloud Hub is another great place to go to. You can find me in Cloud Hub. And the other one is Free Space, Free Space. Is another great one, and uh, it's actually the headquarters are kind of co-shared between Dallas and uh, and Phoenix. And uh, Free Space is a great place to go. Uh, Cloud Hub is another one. Those two places you actually can go on there and you can talk about God and you can talk about politics and you can say stuff without getting taken down. You can say the truth, and uh, you won't you won't be taken down. I love that our studio, my happy, um, extremely wonderful studio here is getting my Cloud Hub account set up. We're still working on that. We've had, we, I've had a lot of punishments from YouTube. I'm still up, but you know, I, I've been taken down, I think three times and gotten all my warnings yeah. and such. So, but we, you know, we try to push the show out now. It's been on YouTube, on my own website. Everybody listening, listen on my own website because they can't take me down there. AmericaCanWeTalk.org. You can watch it live on the website, but we also have YouTube. We were on Periscope. That's gone. We do Rumble. We do Parler. We're going to get on CloudHub. And it's important for conservatives to make the little extra effort to find these new places. I didn't even know about yeah. free space, but now I'll look. Make the effort online to find these new spaces and support them because that's how they get enough mass, enough energy yeah. to keep moving. So you, and, please go, and please go to kevinsorbo.net. It's a great place to find me. And if you want to autograph books, you can get them there. And go to SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com. I know that's long. We're going to change it soon. But it's SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com. Leave an email. We'll keep you updated what's going on. As I said, three movies done in the can all coming out. One's out right now, but the other two are following up. And uh, the one that I can't wait for you to see is called Miracle in East Texas. True story set in 1930 with the largest oil find in the history of the world in Kilgore, Texas. I directed it. I got Lou Gossett Jr. in the movie. 
John Ratzenberger in it, Tyler Maine. People know him from the WWF, and they also know him as Sabretooth on the X-Men uh, movies. But uh, Miracle in East Texas will be out this summer. Okay, I actually meant to ask you, I see there were too many topics. I meant to ask about Miracle, um, and that has to do with the oil industry, roughly? Yes, right? yes. Yeah. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a romantic comedy, but it is a true story. Kevin Sorbo, too much fun. Thank you so very much for joining me today. So I appreciate you were available to join me. All right, guys. Have a great week. You too. Okay, thanks so much. Okay, folks, I'm going to do one last call. He, what a great guy. Honestly, I'm going to go back and listen to that interview and uh, get all those citations, and I'll put them up later because he was mentioning a bunch in a row. Kevin Sorbo.net, I think, was one. Whatever the other ones were, I'll get them all and put them up because they really are. He and his wife are really an extraordinary team. One last topic for today. CNN, I mentioned yesterday that they had, uh, in this program we have watched them for, Project Veritas uh, is an organization that just um, trains and works with people to get underground. James O'Keefe is the founder of it, and they go basically underground. They go undercover, I guess you'd say, and they go to various organizations and talk to people and record them without them knowing they're being recorded. And they were the ones, for example, that broke the story after Planned Parenthood tried to say that they were not selling baby body parts. And it turns out they were selling baby body parts. They got that, that information out of the people working there. Well, they did a big thing on CNN. And I know, I don't think there's actually anyone on the conservative side who did not already know that CNN is just, you know, people say the Communist News Network, the you know, Clinton News Network is a left-wing organization posing as journalists. They're just left-wing advocacy, posing, pretending to be journalists. And so their coverage of many, many things, uh, you can just go there. If you want to find something anti-Trump, you can find it there. Well, the two different topics, so what they did, this uh, hit on them by Project Veritas, they recorded somebody on various topics and they were releasing it part by part. We played yesterday some of what was released uh, in relation to how CNN's uh, own officials were acknowledging they worked very hard to drive Donald Trump out of office by the news stories they covered, by the way they characterized him, by the pictures, everything they did was designed to drive Donald Trump out of office, cause him to lose a 2020 election. And they admit it. So today, though, I want to go forward and tell you there are other things that are coming out today. I have a couple segments uh, that I sent to Matt, the very wonderful producer. Uh, the first one um, has to do on how they cover COVID, how they cover COVID and numbers. That's the first clip, Matt, if you could send that. If you could put COVID? That. Gangbusters are raving, raving. Gangbusters are raving, raving, right? Which is why we constantly have the death toll on the side. Let's make it higher. Like, why isn't it high enough, you know, today? Like, it would make our point better if it was higher. It's fear. Like, fear really drives numbers. Fear is the thing that keeps you tuned in. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads? Yeah. No, no one ever says it, those things out loud, but it's obvious. Well, they're actually doing, telling the person what to say. It's an art form. It's always leading them in a direction before they even open their mouth. It's fear. Like fear really drives numbers. Fear is the thing that keeps you tuned in. COVID? Gangbusters are raving, raving, right? Which is why we constantly have the death toll on the side, which I have a major problem with that we're tallying how many people die every day. Because I've even looked at it and be like, 
look at it and be like, let's make it higher. Like, why isn't it high enough, you know, today? Like, gets to, like, decide how long that stays on or, like... Head of the network. I've been in, in the room many a time where my director tells me, take it down. And I take it down. And then we get a phone call. Like, the bat, the bat phone, like, rings in the back. Literally a red phone. Like, this special red phone ring. Yeah. And they pick it up. And this producer picks it up. And you're and every so often they put it on speaker and it's like the head of the network being like there's nothing that you're doing right now that makes me want to stick put the numbers back up because that's the most enticing thing that we have so put it back up so like things like that are constantly talked about so Jeff Zucker is hassling this guy, this technical director, Charlie Chester, when they have a story up, they'll be discussing something about uh, COVID, and they keep numbers up on the left. Now, we talked many times in the show about how they will often report, not just CNN, but many left-wing outlets will report new cases. And as many doctors have been trying to say, new cases don't really matter. In fact, new cases eventually lead to herd immunity. What matters are hospitalization and death rates. New cases, it, it just, it's like someone got a cold today. That, that's what new cases, but they use high numbers to spread fear. And so you hear them, this is what this guy is saying is, when they have anything that doesn't look like it's that, that scary, or maybe they don't have the numbers screaming off your television screen in terms of numbers and, and uh, new cases, they get a call from the head of CNN, Jeff Zucker. Hey, not scaring people enough, put this back up. That was one thing. Next thing I sent them out, the wonderful, and this has to do with Matt Gates. And if you likely know that name, Matt Gates is the Republican congressman from Florida. And he has been a just a stalwart supporter, President Trump, um, and a, a just a really good, um, just a really solid Republican congressman. Recently, uh, there have been stories out about the Department of Justice investigating him, uh, and uh, of course, all the smarmy media, CNN and the other smarms, come up with all sorts of creepy additional headlines uh, or in, in, in innuendos or you know projections. Well, you know this is could be true because after all, Matt Gates's friend or former business associate, you know, he's being charged, and maybe Matt's involved in this. All sorts of smarm around him. So I want to just play for you what CNN, what they acknowledge they've been doing in terms of the Matt Gates story. Oh no, I guess. Yep. Okay, can you define propaganda? Like I think I know, but like, how how is it? Um, what's the mechanism? If the agenda say is to like get. Like Matt Gates right now, he's like this Republican. Like, uh, he's a problem for the Democratic Party because he's so conservative, right? And he can cause a lot of hiccups in passing of laws. So it's it would be great for the Democratic Party to get him out. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him and make it so that it can't be buried and like just you know settled outside of court and just like you know. Uh, if we keep pushing that, it's helping us. That's propaganda. It's helping us in some way. They had other portions. I can't play it all, but CNN has obviously decided Matt Gates is someone they have to try to take out. 
They don't like him as a popular, articulate, and, and outspoken conservative. He's not just going to Congress and voting the right way. He's speaking up. And even during the era of the Trump-Russia non-existent collusion hoax, Matt Gates was one of the really solid Republicans who kept speaking up. And so CNN decided that they're going to go after him. And I close out this show, and I want to just say a couple things about how, well, how much this matters going forward. There are so few sources in this country that you can point to and say, well, here's where I go for neutral journalism. In fact, there was a, um, a clip, one of the many, many clips out there now uh, on this undercover CNN um, story in which they were saying there is no such thing as neutral journalism. There's no such thing as unbiased journalism. That might be the case. I mean, because even if you say a story is, uh, you know, someone's just reporting facts, you know, facts of whatever the issue is, you know, on, on COVID or climate or the border, and they're just reporting facts, even the facts you choose to include and the facts you choose to omit or the number of stories you run about COVID or the way you tell the story about COVID or the border or any other issue, all of that is informed by your viewpoints, informed by your um, agenda. And so on CNN, you may be able to say, well, you know, they're going to survive this because they didn't, you know, they didn't put false numbers up. The, the numbers, so far as we know, uh, were accurate. That may be the case. But it is that insidious mission to keep squeezing and weaving in to the narrative of the American people, the mindset of the American people, the left-wing agenda. COVID was where we had a grotesque overreaction to COVID in our country because we had uh, the effort of the left to use COVID both to justify the massive use of mail-in ballots, which led to election fraud. And everyone knows it leads to election fraud. In fact, everyone on the left used to say mail-in ballots lead to election fraud, except for now, all of a sudden it doesn't. But you have a, a news outlet like CNN and the reason I hold them in particular uh, disdain is because they do hold themselves out to be neutral journalists. And they're not. They are Pravda, of, they're like Pravda was in Russia. They're the mouthpiece of the radical left in this country. Not just the mouthpiece of the Democrat Party, the mouthpiece of the radical left agenda in America. I will tell you straight out my agenda. I actually am perfectly happy to criticize people uh, on the right, on the left. My agenda is to speak up for the protection, the goodness, the future, the greatness of America. That's my agenda. I want to speak up for the founding ideas in the Declaration of Independence, in the Constitution, the whole basket of ideas we came up with in the founding of America. Not we, but our, our, the creators, of the forebears of our, our country, our founding fathers came up with. The ideas that they, they actually embraced from their understanding of the ancient philosophers, of the Bible. Um, they came up with um, the idea of America, the promises of the Declaration, the recitation of our rights, the structure of the country guaranteed to protect those rights. That's my bias. I want America the free. I want America the free market. I want America the strong. I want America the freedom of religion in this country absolutely protected. I want America with all of the Bill of Rights understood and protected and honored by everyone. I want limited government. I want individual freedom. That's my bias. I am happy to criticize people of either side, either political aisle or either side of the aisle, any background who go against those ideas. Because at the end of the day, 
what's really going to cause America to survive is the protection of the ideas of America's founding. We are at a really consequential crossroads, a truly consequential crossroads. We're either going to have America the Marxist, where the left is taking us at, you know, at speeding steam engine speed over the cliff into socialism and Marxism, or you can have America the founded, the, America as free, America as founded, America the free, but you can't have both. If you surrender to the freight train over the cliff into socialism, you can't have your freedom. It's one or the other. They, they cannot coexist. We cannot have America the free and uh, all of the promises and the greatness of America and the unique promises of freedom to the individual and the ideas of freedom of speech and assembly and worship and, and religion and the ideas of the Second Amendment, every other amendment. You cannot have the promise of America the free and where the left is taking America. It's one or the other. They are polar opposites. My mission on this show is to speak up for America as founded to use my legal education, my legal background, my political, my political experience, my substantive learning about policies of all kinds, the reading I do, the connections I have, to bring that story to you, to bring that story to the American people who listen to this show, that we actually have a role, as every generation of Americans have had since the very founding of this country, to protect and preserve America the free. That is our job. One way I do that, besides doing this show, like this final pitch before I get to why it matters to you, on this show, I have started something in this month, in April, which is the, the Thursday show each week. The Thursday show, which is now tomorrow's show, is for members only. And the reason I'm doing that is, and I'll finish what members only is. Members only, different studio, in-studio audience, it's a Q&A format. It's a very friendly environment, a Q&A format. People going back and forth talking about the, uh, the issues that they care about. It is a, a, usually a guest. Sometimes it'll be just me. I get hundreds of questions emailed to me. Why don't you talk about this? And what do you think about this? I'll probably have some Thursdays with just me, maybe many Thursdays with just me. So far, we've had a guest on Thursdays. So it's an opportunity not to do a formal show with clips of shows, instead to have an actual American political conversation with the in-studio audience, myself and my guests, and you, the listener, who decide to join America Can We Talk. To join, you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and on the homepage under Members, you click on members, it comes up, join here. And all it costs to join is $5 a month or $50 a year. Once you have joined, you can watch the Thursday shows on our website. The website puts a show out every day. Every day, anyone can come to the website and watch the show at americacanwetalk.org forward slash live forward slash at 3 p.m. Monday through Wednesday, you can watch it live. On Thursdays, the live show coming from the website is only available to members. That is what you are buying. And I'm already getting wonderful emails from around the country and around the world. I love watching you in studio. I love the Thursday thing. It's a great conversation. It's a great chance to feel like you're more part of the conversation about saving America. That's what we're doing on our membership thing. The other thing membership does enables us to stay advertisement free interruption free and just be 
us, the American people, talking about preserving our country. That is the idea of membership. One last thing before I get to why it matters to you is this. I know that some of you have emailed or sent messages, somehow gotten a little bit sideways with your login for your membership. We're going to fix all of that by tomorrow. I'm forwarding those to my extremely wonderful professional colleague who is helping get this uh, up and running on the website. Most people are in and able to watch online. I am aware some of you have called and some of you have emailed or texted or posted somewhere saying, I can't get into my account. I can't watch your show live. We will have it fixed. I am forwarding those and I will get back to each of you and let you know, probably just give you a, a URL to reset your password. And then once you have your password, when you when it gets to 3 p.m. on Thursdays, 3 p.m. Central Time on Thursdays, you go to the website and you go to the members join uh, or or uh, is join or um, and, you know get join member or enter membership now. You you know I can't think of an I'll tell you by tomorrow what the name of that uh, what the other choice is online. But basically, you'll be able to watch a show online on Thursdays. You can also email me if you're having trouble getting into your account. Email me at America Can We Talk at gmail.com, americacanwetalk at gmail.com, and I will, get, I will get to every person who's having trouble and get it fixed before the show tomorrow. Now we'll turn and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. We started our show today talking about religious freedom lawsuits, California COVID rules impose tiers of restrictions on gatherings, commercial different than social, indoor gatherings at tattoo parlors, okay, indoor gatherings for Bible study, not okay. California View Bible study prayer is just another meaningless social activity. District court and appellate court, these are federal courts, sided with, with California. The Supreme Court said no in a 5-4 vote. Actually, and as someone said on Twitter, what the heck were the four thinking who said no? This is the United States of America, a First Amendment guarantees, a guarantee of the free exercise of religion. Mercer, University Theology Professor with Prayer, Dear God, Having to Hate White People, Focus on Hating White People Who Watch Fox or Support Trump Because According to Her, They're Closet Racists Who Do Not Deserve the Christian Teaching to Look for Good in People. You get what I'm saying? She's treating these people, other people she's categorized as racist, as not deserving of the Christian teaching she's supposed to be doing to look for the good in people and to believe in their redemption if they really were to be racist, which she's probably wrong about. Leftism defiles and distorts everything, including Christianity. The real leftist goal is the banishing of Judeo-Christian religion. And on CNN, Matt Gates, COVID and more, why it matters, Project Veritas videos of CNN personnel explicitly confirm a CNN corporate mission to get rid of Trump. Deliberate spreading of Democrat propaganda to harm Matt Gates because he's pro-Trump. Hype of COVID fear because it's good for ratings and frankly, because it helps the left and help them defeat Trump. The reality for witting and unwitting mainstream media viewers and listeners, they are not informed, they are indoctrinated. A people led by those who admittedly lie and deceive is in serious danger. They are not free people, they are controlled. Americans must wake up. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Next week, Monday through Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central Time, I will talk to you then. If you're a member, I'll talk to you tomorrow at 3 p.m. We have joining us in studio, Rafael Cruz, Ted Cruz's dad, 
a Christian pastor, an escapee of socialism, communism in Cuba, a brilliant thinker, and someone's going to come and talk to us about how he sees American society, and, and answering your questions if you send questions in, how he sees American society in terms of our uh, the assault of socialism, uh, what the churches are doing to stand up. That's our conversation tomorrow with Rafael Cruz, our members-only show. So, either talk to you tomorrow or talk to you Monday. And thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can you hear us now? America Can We Talk, truth about America. Can